Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On last week's show, I mentioned that from time to time this spring and summer, we hope to have a Michigan Man Extra for you. If we had a guest, I knew you'd find interesting. So this week, we'll be joined by Shemi Schembechler, son of legendary head coach Bo Schembechler. Most of you know Shemi spent 16 years as an NFL scout. He's now putting his talent evaluating expertise to work with a new venture that I think you'll find interesting. As you might expect, Shemi has keen insight into what's happening with Michigan football and will share his thoughts on his close friend Jim Harbaugh and much more. So stay with us here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Shemi Schembechler joins me next. Joining us again on our game day segment here on the Michigan Man is a gentleman we haven't had on for a while, Shemi Schembechler, who needs no introduction to the Michigan faithful. Shemi, welcome back. Mike, it's great to be with you as always. I apologize. I've been quite elusive as of late, but you, I think you understand. I do understand. You're a busy guy. There's a lot going on. And I wanted to start, uh, Shemi, with you telling the listeners why you're such a busy guy. GES Advisory Company. Tell us why you started the GES Advisory Company and what exactly does it do? Right. And and the purpose behind it, Mike, is, you know, after I left the National Football League after scouting for 16 years, you know, I I wanted to figure out a business model that I could just basically plug in my skill sets, everything that I've known over my entire life. So when I started watching high school football tape with my dad at the age of seven, you know, my my career and my life has been tied into to football evaluation and talent evaluation because I've been doing it for such a long period of time. And knowing the recruiting process and how complicated it has become with satellite camps and Coach Harbaugh going all over the place, it's become a very daunting concept for parents and high school kids to really figure out how the whole thing works. And so my role is really to streamline that process for high school football players who want to play in college. And and so there's a process that I do when I sign up any young man and his family that basically uh, really puts focus on their recruiting efforts, on the schools that should be recruiting them, and they have an interest in not only athletically but academically as well. And really, so far, it's, it's been a great success so far uh, because it, it, it really plugs these kids into a school that's going to be befitting of their talents in all areas. Now, I was just wondering, is this something that's just exclusively you're doing in, in Ohio and Big Ten country, or is this nationwide? This is nationwide, actually. So I've got, uh, ironically enough, I've got uh, kids I'm working with in Los Angeles. I've got kids I'm working with in Austin, Texas and then here in the Midwest as well. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a pretty widespread business. It's still in its early stages, obviously. I've only been doing this for a handful of months now. So I think it's going to be exciting because I think just, just the streamlining of the service and how efficient it serves all the, all the people I work with, I, I think is going to be a really nice concept when it's all said and done. We've got that, 
And then, as a result of that, I've done some I've done some speaking here locally, uh, as well as up in the Midwest about leadership training. So all the things that I learned from my dad on how to not only build a coaching staff but building a team and understanding the team concept, no matter where you are within the organization. Uh, there's just a lot of things that you know, obviously I learned from dad, who, who is still the greatest leader I've ever known, and just ways I incorporated that into my own career and it. It basically brings up to date all the things that my dad taught me, and and I think it's, it proves to be a valuable uh, insight uh, for any coach or any player that really wants to look to ways to develop their own leadership skill sets because it can be transferred not only to the team that they're playing but also the schools and the organization. So I've been in talks with certain organizations that even corporate leadership. I had a speak at speech uh, up in Ann Arbor uh, last Tuesday. Uh, to a bunch of corporate sales reps for a company. And so it, it, it's going to be a diverse enough presentation that you can actually gear it to pretty much anybody, any organization. And then last but not certainly not least is, um, you know, I've I partnered my company with uh, an organization called Sport Testing, which is based up in Toronto, Ontario. And these guys uh, basically take a laser timing mechanism with back-end analytics, and they've been working with many teams within, within the National Hockey League as well as NHL Central Scouting uh, for doing their combines. And so I was looking for a concept that would pair well with my organization of talent evaluation, and this basically does a hard numbers evaluation of athletes and basically tells them where they stand uh, because the timing is 100% accurate. And so in all my years with the National Football League and going to the Combine, uh, this is something that's needed. And we're looking to develop here in the United States, not only within the professional ranks, but also uh, college, high school, and as well as middle school and grade school, so that kids can go out and get tested for whatever sport that they're interested in, uh, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, it really doesn't make any difference. Uh, that they can test their skill sets and, and know where they stand for their sport. And we want to take this nationwide uh, because it's, it's prevalent up in Canada. We just want to bring it to the United States. When you're involved with young high school athletes who are in the process of being recruited, are they coming to mm -hmm. you? Are their parents approaching you? How do they interact with you? It, it, it goes both ways. Um, you know, I, a lot of my networking is, do, is done through the high school coaching community. And literally, when I first started, you know, I, I was reaching out to my friends, just letting them know what I was doing. And, you know, I was able to get some prospects right off the bat doing that. And so now that we're, we're in the early stages of, of the second year of the company, um, you know, it, it's it's going to it's starting to build out now. So I've had several speaking engagements up at high schools. A couple of weeks back, I was up at Lavonia Stevenson High School and spoke to their kids. So uh, I think it's slowly uh, tracking here within the Midwest, and I think we can take this uh, in different parts of the country because I have so many friends um, that. Uh, have NFL scouting backgrounds that are actually not scouting the NFL that would be perfect for this type of model. So I make contacts with people in a variety of different ways. Obviously, my name does carry a certain weight with it, and so people tend to look me up on Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that. They can reach out to me there. Um, but basically, it's through my network of coaching associates and friends. 
most of our listeners know uh, you're 16 years in the NFL and now with GES advisory, you're, you're still involved with the recruiting process, satellite camps. I mean, I've talked to several of the beat writers uh, over the last year too. A lot of us didn't even know what satellite camps were until last year. Uh Why do Uh you think there was such a fuss made by the SEC, the ACC, and and some others when it came to these camps? Is it as simple as saying they just wanted to protect their their turf, or is that just, is it more complicated? Absolutely. Like, if you're you're Nick Saban or any coach in the SEC, and you've got the likes of Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer raiding your territory, coming down and recruiting your players... Uh, if you're gonna you're gonna try to do things that that's gonna be able to stop that. Now, my perspective, Mike, is p- people don't realize. I mean, this satellite camp concept, even though it's not been called satellite camps, literally started a very long time ago. And I think most people don't realize it. You know, when my dad sat down with Bill McCartney uh, when he hired Bill in the early '70s, and we talked about the the concept of the Wolverine Technique School. You know, that's 73-74, Mike. Mm-hmm. And the concept was to, to create opportunities for high school kids, but also for high school and college coaches. So when we used to have, you know, 500 or 1,000 kids show up, you needed coaches to coach these kids, and they wanted to create the greatest five-day camp in the United States of America. And by doing that, you know, they would invite every mid-major university coaching staff to come to the camp and coach the camp. This is, this is back, you know, 73, 74, like I mentioned. And so the Eastern Michigans, the Central Michigans, the Miami Universities, the Ohio Universities, you know, they would come up on campus and coach the camp. And in many ways, this is how they built out their recruiting efforts, by knowing who to recruit, by being able to evaluate these kids in camp by coaching. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just want people to understand that this concept has been going on for a very long time. Now, obviously, it's changed you know, dynamically by going to the high schools and other schools throughout the country. But that's really how the whole thing started. And so for the SEC to say, uh, you know, we, we try to protect their own territory. They only allow their coaching staff, what is it, 50 miles or 100 miles to only held camps. That's right. their own fault. They self-legislated that. And what Harbaugh's done is he's basically pushed the envelope. We can do this wherever we want uh, as long as it's hosted by the university or the school that's hosting it, and they can come and say, we want the Michigan coaching staff to come coach here. It just changes the dynamic. But understand, uh, this concept goes a very long time ago, and it shouldn't be stopped because, first and foremost, it should be about providing kids opportunities. And by the less of these camps that you have, and as long as that coaching staff is hardworking and wants to get out there and get it done like Harbaugh's staff does, you know, nobody should take that opportunity away from those kids. And that should be the major motivation for why you support satellite camps. Like, that's my... Absolutely, and I agree with you totally. I mean, uh, we think it's exploded, but as you say, it's, it's a concept that's been around since uh, back in your dad's days with he and Bill McCartney. Do you think uh, Nick Saban and the boys down there are going to let this rest, or are they going to continue to push the NCAA to sort of rein this thing in moving forward? Uh, they're going to try, but I, I anticipate that it, they're going to have a tough time because uh, they basically shot themselves in the foot by what I already mentioned, by creating these rules for SEC schools 
to only go to a certain length away from their campus to do these satellite camps. No other, no other conference has these types of rules, to my knowledge anyway. Now, maybe the, the Big 12 has it. I'm really not certain. I haven't studied that part of the business yet. Like I said, the motivation should be what is in the best interest of high school football players. So even if those kids go to these camps and they don't get recruited, which I submit they, they would get recruited, uh, the opportunity to be around the likes of Harbaugh or, or Urban Meyer or Mark D'Antonio, it shouldn't make any difference. The opportunity to get coached by coaching staffs like this, even if it's for one or two days, they're still going to learn something that's going to make them a better a person, a better football player. So, yeah, I, th that makes no sense to me. I mean, if you make it all about recruiting and protecting your own turf as a university, I mean, it's not like Alabama, LSU, or Georgia is going to go away. I mean, they're still going to have great recruiting prowess and leverage and uh, political influence in regards to how they go about recruiting. But it should never go to that length to the detriment of the high school kid. Well, the Michigan staff, yeah. Jeremy, taking satellite camps to a whole different level. I think this morning I read 31 camps in 29 days in June, and that includes visits yeah. to Australia, American Samoa, and even Hawaii, which is going to be fun to watch because you know this is going to generate a lot of coverage. It's going to be a fun June. And oh, great yeah. Ability for yeah. Michigan. I just, I, you know, I'm curious. How do they put that together from a budget standpoint? Yeah. Getting that whole staff out there to go overseas <laughs> and, and do these camps. I'm just curious. I I know Michigan has the wherewithal to get this done financially, uh, but I, I'm just curious just about the time commitment from the coaches and all that stuff. And freaking Jim, I mean, he, he is torturing these coaches with recruiting, but I think it's what he should be doing, anyway, quite frankly. In 18 months, Jim Harbaugh has given uh, Michigan football national visibility on a scale we probably couldn't have imagined when he hired on. He does seem True. to get under some people's skin in the process, but he is undaunted. He right. just keeps moving forward, doesn't he? Yeah, that, that's the one. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give my dad all the credit, but I can promise you my dad taught him the uh, the idea of, of, of a good work ethic with him and his dad, Jack. <laughs> and so that's proving to be true now. Well, Shami, you have a unique uh, perspective in uh, that you live in the Columbus area and you get to hear plenty yep. of the uh, Ohio State chatter down there. Does Jim Harbaugh yep. have their full attention down there? Oh, sure. Yeah. They all say, you know, just, and the opinion is, like, I, I get I get the great opportunity to speak with Earl Bruce on occasion. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, the funny thing is, Ohio State, even though they lost all these underclassmen to the draft, if you watch their spring game, they are still exceptionally talented. They may lack an experience in certain places, but the fact that you've got a, a veteran quarterback in JT Barrett uh, with a surrounding cast of offensive linemen that are talented yet unexperienced, that they still hold the mantle here in the Big Ten Conference, make no mistake, uh, of being the perennial program that's going to contend for the championship. And, you know, they, they all say, uh, Michigan's not there yet, but they will be back. And so that is the resounding opinion of everybody here in Columbus. And so obviously I can take a little bit of heart in that. With us here on our game day segment on the Michigan Man this week is uh, Shemi Schembechler, and we're uh, covering a lot of things this morning. You know, Shemi, when I think back uh, at this time last year, most of us were saying, okay, uh, it's going to take a couple of years for Jim to get his players and get the program where he wants it to be. Here we are less than a year later, and you know this week ESPN has Michigan ranked number three in what 
even they're calling the way too early poll. But it's amazing how the expectations have changed in a very short period of time, isn't it? Yeah, uh, with Jim, Jim being back and what he did in his first year, taking the team to 10 wins, uh, inevitably the expectations are going to be jacked up. That's the mm-hmm. nature of coaching at Michigan. So I think Jim and the coaching staff, they have a clear understanding of that. And the beauty of it is, regardless of what type of expectations people put on them, they're going to have higher expectations in their own minds. And and the fact that they have a championship expectation of winning the Big Ten and making it to a BCS bowl game and challenging for a national championship, you know, they have set that standard there in Ann Arbor. And that's what they should be doing, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, obviously, you and I and pretty much everybody else puts very little value in these preseason rankings, mm-hmm. but we all understand the marketing uh, angle that ESPN has. If they don't do it, people start asking questions. My dad, I mean, as always, he hated the preseason rankings, and I understand why, and I, I hate them too, but it's the nature of the marketing base in ESPN. So, uh, But the idea that you have those expectations uh, from a media standpoint, it's up to the coaching staff to really hold those standards internally uh, for what types of goals and aspirations they want to have for their team. Well, you know, looking ahead, as you just mentioned, expectations always high at Michigan, and they should be. We have three tough games uh-huh. on the road, Iowa, Michigan State, and of course, Ohio State. That is one tough, that's a gauntlet to run. Do you have good vibes about this season? Uh, oh, goodness gracious. Why would you have to ask such a tough question, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in the business of predictions, okay? And I think you know that already. Um, you know, I, I hate to make predictions, but let's just say this. Uh, I think the Michigan team is actually going to be improved over last year's team, all right? The schedule is more difficult than last year's schedule. Having those, having to play those teams on the road, uh, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State, uh, those are all exceptionally difficult teams. And make no mistake, uh, I, I think Jim, from a motivational standpoint, is going to do a great job of having his players understand the type of year they had last year, but how much further they have to go and I think it's going to be a great motivational tool, but the idea that that you have to play these three games on the road, and there's some other tough games I got to play at home too, mm-hmm. uh, that you can see the possibility of having a better team, but maybe a worse record. Now, I hate to say that, but it, it is the reality of, of the situation. The fact that you've got a young Ohio State team uh, that by that point in time, with that coaching staff that, that they have down here. Uh, that team's going to be pretty good. It's going to be a hard team, uh, hard game for Michigan to win, especially if they improve the way a typical Ohio State team uh, improves, considering their lack of experience coming into the season. Does that answer your question, Mike? It does. I know that's a tough one, Shemi. I, I hate to throw those out there, but doesn't it seem like every yeah. year, the, the older I get, here it is May, but these preseason polls yeah. are just uh, almost uh, out of control. I pay no attention to them, but, you know, uh, a lot of right. fans just love it. But it just seems to get bigger and bigger every year, doesn't it? Well, so funny. Uh, the, the key word that you just said, Mike, fans love it. So that's why mm-hmm. ESPN does it. Well, last question for you, yeah. Shemi. Great coaches can turn situations around quickly, 
at Michigan, all mm-hmm. we need to do is look at what your dad accomplished in his first season as head coach mm-hmm. and then what Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh accomplished in, in a very short period of time. What's the mm-hmm. quality that sets apart men like your dad and Jim Harbaugh and allows them to, to come into a situation uh, with new surroundings and make such an immediate impact? Well, you know, it's a different dynamic. The one thing I can tell you, and one of the great advantages that my father had, is that, number one, he coached within the Big Ten Conference. He coached within the Mid-American Conference. When he gets the Michigan job in 69, uh, he knew that he had a sleeping giant just in terms of a talented roster. I mean, just look at the players that played on those teams, and starting mm-hmm. with guys like Dan Deardorff. He knew that Michigan was a talented team because he actually recruited three-quarters of the players that are on the Michigan roster when he was at Miami. So it was almost like he, he knew that team. He knew what that team could do even before he got there. And for him, uh, uh, having the opportunity to coach at Miami, having a successful coaching career, and then learning from some of the greatest coaches of that time, uh, not to mention Woody Hayes, but Dwight Perry and Eric Parsegan and Alex Agassi. You know, his coaching acumen was developed as much as anybody in college football back in those days. And so he had that confidence. He had the confidence of being a head coach, having a, a successful experience in Miami. And it just, it just transferred so well to Michigan, knowing that you had a talented roster. And so I think that played a big role as to why Michigan just hit the ground running so quickly back there in 69 and really set the tone for how that program was going to be run because he knew uh, uh, from an off-season program, spring football, uh, when you know how the greatest coaches of the time do it and doing the same thing. Uh, I think it was perfect that you had Ohio State uh, being called the greatest college football team of all time when they came into the 69 season. Well, that's how my dad got trained, by using that philosophy of coaching and getting good players in there. So it just made sense. From Jim's perspective, you know, it's a little bit different because Jim's coached in the National Football League and he's had great success no matter where he's been. You know, Jim has the same confidence coming in. And so the fact that Jim is such a forward thinker and he thinks outside the box about ways to really improve his team, uh, there's great value in that. And and in today's world of social media and, and, and those types of things where everything's on television, and everybody sees Jim Harbaugh coaching the National Football League, that brings an unbelievable governance to his coaching acumen, not only uh, just from coaching, but also recruiting, because everybody knows who Jim Harbaugh is in football. And if you're a young man that's good enough to get recruited by Jim to come play at Michigan, uh, that creates a, a, a definite advantage over other coaches, even at the Power 5 conference level. And when you consider that Jim comes in there, they have spring football, and they have four-hour practices, and you know the kids are going to get challenged, and the kids see the results of their improvement with a 10-win season, you know, it gives you something to really believe in as a player. And players, you know, make no mistake, they're there at Michigan to get a great degree. But number two, they want to win games, and they want to get better as a team. So when the team has faith, uh, in a very similar way to what the players with my dad had. Uh, it, it just builds upon itself. And so when you have a confident team that has talent, um, it's only going to get better, inevitably. So I just think when you bring those two concepts together between Harbaugh and my dad, they came at it from different directions, but they achieved the same results 
uh, based on the track record of the coaches before they got there. Such an interesting 18 months with Coach Harbaugh. And of course, he's always talking about your dad and that impact. So for Michigan fans, for Michigan alums, the future looks bright. No doubt about it, Mike. Just give him a little bit more time. We'll be okay. With us here on our game day segment this week on The Michigan Man has been Shemi Shembeckler. And as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show, Shemi. And as we get closer to the season, we hope to have you back on. So enjoy the summer. And thanks for taking so much time uh, to talk with us this morning. Always a pleasure, Mike. All the best to you, my friend. Go Blue. Thanks to Shemi Shembeckler for being my guest today. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our Michigan Man Extra here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Mason Brew. On Wolverine Quick Hits today, Michigan softball ended the regular season by dropping an extra-inning heartbreaker to Minnesota in Happy Valley over the weekend in the Big Ten Tournament. But the Wolverines will be the number two overall seed for the 2016 NCAA Tournament and host a regional for the 20th time in program history, as announced by the NCAA on Sunday. U of M, 46-5, is one of 16 schools to host a four-team NCAA Regional Tournament with contests running Friday through Sunday at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. Michigan is joined by regional number two seed Notre Dame, number three seed Miami of Ohio, and number four seed Valparaiso in the double elimination event. Michigan opens regional play against Valpo on Friday at 7 p.m., following the regional opener between Notre Dame and Miami, which begins at 4.30 p.m. The tournament winner earns the right to advance to the NCAA Super Regional next weekend. Two runs and five hits was not enough on Sunday, as the number 19-ranked University of Michigan baseball team dropped an 8-2 series finale game to the Ohio State Buckeyes at Davis Stadium, capping off a four-game road swing. The loss brings Michigan's road record to an even 13-13 on the season. Michigan will be home for the final time on Tuesday, today, to battle Oakland University, then head out for their final regular season series with Illinois this weekend. Big Ten tournament play will begin next week in Omaha. Michigan is 34-16 overall and 12-8 in the Big Ten. Like us on Facebook at the Michigan Man Podcast and follow us on Twitter at the Michigan Man, where you can also follow Wolverine Sports Radio at Go Blue Radio. Our free show apps are available from both the iTunes and Google Play stores. So get the free app and take the show with you wherever you go this summer. If you get the show from iTunes, please comment or rate the show. It does help us a bunch. Next week, we'll be back with our regular show, and it's time for a May recruiting update. We hope to be joined by Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports, so please check back with us next week. That will do it for this month's Michigan Man Extra. I hope you enjoyed our always interesting guest, Shemi Schembechler. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care. And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls 
at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!